to the Literary Cat Cast, a podcast that merges literature with cats. I'm your host, Phoebe Phillips. For the first ever Literary Cat Cast podcast, I want to take a moment and let you know what you can expect. It's bi monthly, no more than five minutes or seven minutes long. In no way is it meant to represent an audiobook. It is excerpts of cats in literature to bring awareness that cats can be main characters in writings and poetry and literature, and there's a lot of work out there. Many of my books were sourced from England and were written in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. There will be details on each episode on my website, Phoebe, P-H-E-B-E, Phillips.com, or the literarycatcast.com. And now, how did this come about? Well, I love cats, I love literature, and I love hot tea. And there's nothing better than a good book, a cat in your lap, and a warm cup of tea sitting beside you. And so, I can hear my tea kettle going off, and with each episode, there'll be a cat nearby and a cup of tea. And with that, let's carry on to the first ever Literary Catcast podcast. In this episode, I want to share with you a few letters from cat owners. It's taken from Cleveland Amory's book, The Cat and the Curmudgeon, which was his second novel. After Cleveland wrote his first book, The Cat Who Came for Christmas, in 1982, about the stray he rescued, later naming Polar Bear, he received a lot of letters from cat owners. Two of his favorite letters were about a cat named Jose, taken from his cat smartness file, and a cat named Arthur, taken from his Siamese file. This excerpt is taken from his second book, The Cat and the Curmudgeon. It picks up on page 302 in the second chapter, titled Cat Power. It is written in Mr. Amory's voice. Well, the only area of being a celebrity of which I ever found Polar Bear to be even remotely fond was the increase in mail. Somehow, he seemed to be fully aware of the large amount which was addressed to him rather than me. If there was anything on Cat Earth about which Polar Bear prided himself, it was how smart he was. From the letters he could learn, there were cats out there that when it came to smartness, could give him a challenge. One of the most remarkable of these letters came from Lenore Evans of San Diego, California, about her cat, Jose. Ms. Evans wrote me that one fall, she was, as usual, engaged in stripping off the dead leaves from her fruit trees, preparatory to raking them up, when she realized she could not reach the top leaves. Well, she said aloud to herself, I can't reach those. I guess I'll have to wait for them to drop naturally. With that, and without hesitation, Cat Jose, who had been watching the process, immediately ran up to the top of the branches of each tree, and holding on with his hind legs to the trunks of the trees, proceeded with his front paws to reach out and shake the branches until all the top leaves had fallen. Does this cat know the English language? 
Ms. Evans asked. Is he a reincarnation of someone I once knew? Do you know I lowered my intelligence secretly to ask who he was? With that question, he just rubs his head on me, but he doesn't tell me anything. Well, the polar bear ate that up. However, he still considered himself to be the smartest cat. So I realized I would have to call up my big guns. This meant going to my Siamese file. There was no question that most Siamese owners consider Siamese the smartest cats there are. There was just one question of whether they or their cats should write the letters proving it. My favorite letter on this subject came from Mary Ruth Everett of Westchester, Pennsylvania. For 20 years, we had a Siamese cat, Arthur, of course with his approval. And the only thing that cat could not do was speak English. While he lived, he, of course, ruled the household. This fact was accepted by everyone. There are dozens of Arthur stories I could tell you, but one I think you especially would enjoy is about what he did to visitors. Our unique old house, called the Gingerbread House in Westchester, was planned and built well over a hundred years ago by an eccentric university professor, and above the huge high mantel is a captain's walk-type railing with a central curved-out area in which we think he undoubtedly kept a bust of Shakespeare. Against the chimney, it is warm and perfectly sized and shaped for Arthur to be curled up in. It was his place. There he stayed until someone knocked on the door. In an instant, he sat up perfectly straight and perfectly still, a statue. No person ever spotted him. He waited until people were settled, drinks in hands, nibbles being nibbled, and conversation going nicely to his satisfaction. Then, with a Siamese rebel yell, he would leap down into the center of the room. Even the most dignified, sometimes stuffy, victim slash visitor jumped out of their seats, scattering food and drink and uttering among their screams some of the most undignified expletives on records. We smiled and said, Oh, you haven't met Arthur, which turned the conversation, no matter how serious previously, to Arthur talk, which was just what he wanted. He then sat calmly, washing, and loving every minute of it, sizing up the people and spotting unerringly the non-cat-loving person. Into that one's lap, he flatteringly jumped, curled up, and purred loudly. The meows for this episode were voiced by cat Olivia Boots Hargrove, a 15-year-old gray and white that lives in Dallas, Texas. Her favorite activity is napping. You can see her photo on our website. And if you want to have your cat's meows on an episode, visit theliterarycatcast.com. Our wonderful music is Swagger Move by Julio Gladnio from Melody Loops. 
This is recorded in Dallas, Texas at Phoebe's Holland Avenue Studio. And of course, we love reviews. So no matter which format or platform you're listening on, please feel free to leave us one. See you next time.